exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. And another Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. It is a rainy Monday here in East Lansing, but we are still live regardless of the weather. Alex Sharg and David DeFever to my left. Another Monday in the world of sports. And of course, capping off the Olympics, it's been quite a show within the last three or four weeks for here for the Olympics uh, out there in London and the United States of America coming on top. So we are celebrating that today with the closing ceremonies last night. Uh, David, tell me about your week. What have you been up to? What's um, new in the world of sports? Uh, running from couch to couch because I'm homeless right now. But um, What? Homeless? <laughs> yeah. can't, can't move into the house for another week, but excited to do that. Um, the NHL, big news, possible lockout. Sad face for me, but uh, okay. we got Tigers having a home win streak. We got Olympic gold medals for the United States. Hey, bad news for you. Bad news for everyone, right? Yes, bad news for everyone, especially because the Winter Classic is going to be held at the big house this year. So we'll be talking about that soon. But U.S. coming out big, winning the medal count in the Olympics, it's it's just a great honor to be a part of this country. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of the lockout, let's go over, you know, some of the lineup we have for the for the listeners and the listeners on the air today. So at 7.05, Olympic recap, what was the most dynamic USA performance during the whole Olympics and why? We'll get to that at 7.05. 7.10, with Boise State weeks away. Who is the best option at wideout right now? They lose a series of wideouts. We'll talk about that at 7.10. 7.25, MSU basketball ranking. We'll talk about what they just released today and what ESPN thought of our Michigan State Spartans. At 7.30, the Detroit Lions preseason game. Biggest surprises, what you liked, what you didn't like. That at 7.30. 7.40, the NHL lockout, like you were saying. The yeah. Winter Classic, are we going to do it? We will see at 7.40. 7.48, the Detroit Tigers, they're coming up in a big series. This is the home stretch. They're so close to that September baseball. So we'll see what happens with our Detroit Tigers. Talking about that at 748. And of course, capping off the show at 755, we have our traditional goons of the week. And we've got quite a goon. And it's the first time that we, we had back-to-back goons. We got a back-to-back goon. So we will get to that at the end of the show. But to start off the show before Olympic talk, we always have our question of the week, and now since we're all back in back into the spring, you know we're we're getting right into the school year. We're going to start giving out prizes for every question that you get right, whether you tweet at us, whether you call in, you and you have the answer. We will in future weeks be getting ready to give out those prizes, and it's getting to that time where school year is right around the corner, and we will be getting those prizes very shortly. So I encourage all the listeners out there to keep listening, and of course to keep calling in. The number for the show, as always, 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. Feel free to call in at any point during the show about any topic we cover. But the question of the week is, with the Detroit Lions preseason game this past week, when was the last time the Detroit Lions had a losing record during the preseason? And I was very surprised, David, because I was looking down the records, the preseason records, you know, throughout many years, and it was very surprising to see for me to see what year that was. And, of course, there's an additional part to that question. So you need to name the year the Lions, the Detroit Lions, had a losing 
a losing record in the preseason. So name that year. And additionally, if, for a little extra credit, we'll say, name three players from that year on that team that are now still on the roster currently. So again, if you know the answer to that question, feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, that's at 89FM Sports Rap. Your answer, and in future weeks, future prizes. So David, now switching slowly to Olympics right now. Yes. We saw our, our country win gold. It was great. You know, the ceremonies and everything. But there were a lot of big stories within these last weeks that many people were first off shocked. And second, it, it really revitalized a lot of the main sports that those competitors, you know, you know, competed against in. So yes. to start, what performance for you, David, was the most dynamic in the Olympics and that most defined our U.S. team? Well, besides Michael Phelps, we know that uh, four years ago in Beijing – came out with eight gold medals sure. and then this year doing not as many but you know getting the golds he needed playing uh, having a great performance for his country for his team in the water but besides Michael Phelps for me yep. I've always been a fan of the volleyball court on the sand and Misty May and Carrie Walsh have done it again for three straight Olympics they won a gold in women's volleyball and to me that's just a standout because both of them as, lo- as well as Michael Phelps, are done in the Olympics. It's the last time they'll be participating. They'll be able to go on with their lives, you know, start their families, get everything going. But it's nice to see that. At I mean, and they're they're getting up there in age, too. But to see them both win gold for three straight Olympics, it's, it's just great for the U.S. Oh, uh, that's a great point. And besides that, you have to look at the silver medal at that game. Two other Americans that competed against Missy, they won the silver as well. So I'd also say, in addition to what you, you, you commented on, they really took the stronghold of women's volleyball as a whole. Yeah, one-two punch. Exactly, exactly. And that just says a lot about this United States team. I mean, regardless for who's the favorite, whoever is in contention also competing against the favorite, they're just as likely to win any other medal. Yeah. And I think we've seen that throughout not just women's volleyball, but you know, a plethora of, a plethora of other different categories as well. So if you have a, a, an athlete that made the best dynamic impact on you, Feel free to call in, 517-432-3893. And for me, David, the athlete that really was most dynamic for me was a young lady by the name of Missy Franklin. Yes. This girl, you know, so young, not even 18 yet, and, you know, she has a bright future ahead of you. We all, ahead of her, excuse me, we all can see that. And with all that you get for winning a gold medal, Missy Franklin, of course, breaking the world record in the 200-meter backstroke, capping off her four gold medals that she won and also a bronze, but... When you are an Olympic competitor and when you are an Olympic winner, when it comes to your future, there are a lot of sponsorships. You hire an agent. You start developing your career path, whether it be with the Olympics in the future or whether it be in some other area. But no, Missy Franklin does not hire an agent, is not looking at sponsorships, and through all of her winnings at the Olympics, her number one focus right now is her college swimming career. So that, to me, David, says a lot about her character and what she brings to the United States team. And, and, I mean, your thoughts about that. I mean, what does that say, you know, about a girl like that, you know, who, with all the pressure, I mean, look at a guy like LeBron James, this guy, coming out of high school, 17 years old, jumps straight to the NBA, you know, thinking about hiring an agent, hire, hires one, and, you know, then he gets drafted. So 
Mm. I mean, what does this say about about high school athletes transitioning into professionalism as it is? She's got such a her character is so high, and for her to be in the Olympics training, she's focused on that. But now she's got to get back to the basics or back to what she wants to be focused on, and that's her college career. And it's not just in the books; it's in the water for her college. And it's nice that you can have that transition. She she fights for gold. You said four golds, one bronze for her country. Yeah. But now this is over. She's had the hype. She's had her fun. Now it's time to get back in the water for your school mm-hmm. and win those races, win the, get those world records for your school. But I, it's it's nice to see that she can make that transition and stay focused on what she wants. Oh, absolutely. And, and um, of course, many people would also argue that the United States basketball team, I mean, this team yeah. is the new, the new era of a uh, quote-unquote dream team. You can make the argument with that, but... I mean, with that win, though, I mean, I I think most people could say that they were the favorite, which yeah, is why, were. which is why I personally would not say that was the most dynamic. But I, I say in women's swimming because there are so it is so competitive when it comes to swimming. Yes, it does, and, and even gymnastics as well. So I mean, for me, those are the two top sports that I think are the most competitive as it is. But if you feel different, feel free to call in five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three or tweet at us at eighty nine FM Sports Wrap our question of the week as well. But, of course, with the Olympics now capping off, we are now two weeks away from the opener at Boy- against Boise State, State here at Spartan Stadium. And, of course, unveiling that new scoreboard. And, of course, with all the hype coming up to the game, this is going to be a major topic that David and I will discuss today. So, MSU football. Okay. Mark D'Antonio, of course, you know, pretty much the firepower of that whole team. You know, he opened, tra- he opened the, uh, you know, the preseason camps this past week. And he got to see his offense, he got to see his defense, he, he got to see the incoming freshmen compete a little bit, and he came out with you know, a, a, a flurry of different comments about what he liked, what he didn't like about this team, but I think the major question that we need to discuss here, and that I'm choosing to discuss here on the Sports Wrap, is the wide receiver position, okay? Besides the fact that we lost Kirk Cousins, I mean, the guy carried this team, was the leader, was the keynote speaker of the Big Ten, yep. you know, opening conference, as, as we both saw, but... Kirk Cousins was the leader of this team, and now with him gone, many of the focus from, from the media and the fans have shifted to that quarterback position, has shifted to Andrew Maxwell, has shifted to the fact that he hasn't had many snaps at all, has never been a high-pressure situation, and with the defense as good as it is, how can he lead a number 13 rank and ranked Spartan team and, and maybe win the Big Ten this year? So, But what is often neglected with the fact that Andrew Maxwell is leading this team is the wide receiver position. I mean, let's look. We lost Keyshawn Martin. We lost B.J. Cunningham, who was all-time in receiving and receptions. And we lost Keith Nickel. So, my question for the listeners and for you, David, who's the best option to replace these guys? I mean, as, as you're about to say, I, I mean, we talked about this earlier. There, there is a, 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 deep, a deep concern for the lack of depth at this position. Yes, the wide receivers... It, it's hard to stack up. Right now, the oldest wide receiver is a junior, and that's Benny Fowler. Right. He's out of Bloomfield, Michigan, uh, 6'1", 218. He's got speed. He's got the moves. He's a big key player. That- and, and I want to add that, besides the fact that he does have that top flight speed, he is yeah. a key player, he's had experience. Yes. And I think that's a key point that many people do not look at when it comes to picking you know, a solid option at wide receiver. Yeah, or it, he's had the... he's. 
he's had to deal with the emotions and and the intensity of like being in big stages in in football arenas, whether it be here at home or at the big house or in at Ohio State. He's he's been there, so he's got a feel for how the game is and how it is. And this past week, or I think Monday, I believe it was, MSU had their first scrimmage, and he had five catches, fifty five yards. You know, nothing big, but I mean, he's getting in his reps, and we all know sure. that this past year he was looking to be on the side with all those seniors that you know moved on and are doing their own thing now he uh you know was looking to train with them and really get into the getting more reps with them you know learning as much as he can but he had that foot injury mm-hmm. you know we played the first couple five five or six games i think it said and then foot injury tried to come back played a couple and then ended up having surgery and missing the rest of the season mm-hmm. but for me he he's ready he's mentally ready he said that this past these past four summers he's been working with Andrew Maxwell and that chemistry is building which is really good like even though Maxwell hasn't had his reps and hasn't been in the big stage it's nice that they can get that connection and hopefully they can bring that to the to the field but um he's really excited to get back on the field and in in an interview he said that I don't know if people have forgotten about me, but if they have, I'll fly under the radar. But I'm really excited about this season. We've got a lot of great young talent and new quarterbacks, and I'm really excited for this. And and that says says a lot. This guy is ready to come back. He's only a junior, so he's got this year and next year, depending on the draft or if he decides to do anything with that. But it's nice to see that this junior is, is ready to carry the wide receiver crew because they have nine freshman wideouts with two or three sophomores, and, and those wideouts, four of them are redshirt freshmen, but I'm, I'm, nine of those freshmen are Nine redshirt. freshmen. Yeah, four of them are redshirts, but, I mean, they got a lot of learning to do, but he is going to be the backbone of the wideout, and hopefully he can stay healthy and, you know. We should play that. a game that says which freshman will make the mistake first. Yeah. And I guarantee you, in that first game, I, I, I guarantee there will be a freshman making a mistake. But yeah. besides for the nine freshmen, I mean, of course, there are red shirts. Of course, there are guys just getting to know their roles. But in terms of who the best option is at wide receiver, Benny Fowler does have some experience. It's not yes. a lot. It's it's barely any experience. Yeah, but, it's minimum. Right, minimum. But compared to Lippitt, Tony Lippitt, and, and Keith Mumphrey, he has the most experience between the two. And obviously, with that experience, he's probably slated to be the favorite at number one or the two. But the thing about Tony Lippitt is that people don't realize this guy has a lot of size. And we've seen Charles Rogers. We've seen these typical B.J. Cunningham. We've seen these typical MSU receivers with that big playmaking ability, that long field you know, capability of making those big big plays downfield. Those are the kind of guys that I think with this kind of offense we're in are going to anchor that team. And and with that, besides Tony Lippitt, if he's a bust, well, who are you going to look at out? Who, who else is there? I mean, he's the only really top-flight big man on that team. So what I'm going to look for, David, is a guy like Aaron Burbridge. I mean, this guy is coming in was a highly ranked recruit, had offers from USC, Michigan, from the likes all over the country. And with Aaron Burbridge, I mean, he has the opportunity as a freshman to play right away. Yeah. With as little as no experience that most of the receivers possess, I mean, he's going to be right in that picture. So I'm I'm going to look to see if D'Antonio gives him the nod as much as he has. I mean, maybe little do we know, but if he has off-field issues at all or if he has some issues coming in, that, that could inhibit it. But for the most part, I think he's a very viable, viable option for that position. I mean, and even besides Burbridge, you look at a guy like Monty Matters. I mean, Monty Matters, a three-star guy coming out of Ohio, a big football state, underrated guy coming in, getting overshadowed by Burbridge. I mean, these are the kind of freshmen that can really make an impact. But I ask the listeners, who is the best option on this team at wideout? 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. And yeah, those three guys, speaking of three, those three guys, Lippitt, Mumphrey, and Fowler, I mean, 
what else do you think besides the fact that they they need that experience? They need that you know they need that that good quarterback behind them. I mean, do you see anything else that really that really is going to make them shine in that offense? Uh, if Andrew, I mean Andrew Maxwell, he's he is what has to happen. He's got to get in a rhythm and he's got to find that groove, whether he's taking reps or not. I mean, he's getting the call. He's that number one. He's got another freshman behind him in the number two spot, which can easily be thrown on the. F- field if he can't handle anything under pressure but he needs he needs to get that experience and he needs to find himself and where he's going to be on that field and how he copes with the team the offense and how he's going to run it he is the quarterback they are the backbone of this team and it's 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 going to be him sure. to see whether or not this team does well in the field offensively sure valid point and, and speaking of maxwell i do want to touch on an issue right here uh, a new segment for the show about mark d'antonio and Spartan faithful, all listening. Listen, Mark D'Antonio has tremendously made an impact on this team. But here's the side of Mark D'Antonio that I question, okay? So Mark D'Antonio came out, you know, within this week. This is an article coming straight from the Detroit Free Press. Um, This is by George Sippel. He's a writer for the Free Press Sports section. And he wrote an article about what Mark D'Antonio had to say about his guys. And when it came to Andrew Maxwell, when it came to D'Antonio's opinion on him, D'Antonio said, quote, I don't think he lets things bother him. When I say he has swag, I think he lets things roll off his shoulders a bit. He understands the pressures of playing quarterback, end quote. Now, there comes a time, I'm going to try to contain myself over the air here. (laughs) There comes a time as a coach where you make sure that you give that team the confidence in the game. You know, having that faith in your players, having that trust, having that confidence that your guys are going to go out there and really compete and, and, and perform with those capabilities of a senior. Those, comp- those confidences that D'Antonio has, I, I, I agree with. He absolutely should have that confidence when, when he speaks of his players. He wants his players to hear that positive feedback. Now, on the devil's, the devil's advocate side, a guy like Maxwell, who hasn't really had any big experience in pressure situations... Are you sure, D'Antonio, that you're that he's not going to let anything bother him? If he goes into the big house with 100-plus fans for the first time in his life, he's not going to let anything bother him? I mean, David, I mean, your thoughts about this comment right here. I mean, frankly, yeah, I, I see the side that, as a coach, he has that respect for his players. He yeah. wants to give them the confidence that he will do well. But, I mean, let's talk about predictions for Maxwell here. He hasn't had many games experience at all. I mean, besides the fact that Kirk Cousins led the Big Ten, cha- Big Ten championship, yeah. I mean, with right, rightfully so, he did deserve to play m- way more than, than Maxwell did. But, you know, wasn't very injured at all throughout his career. Maxwell often being overshadowed without that game experience. So, I mean, do you think he may get rattled at some point? He, you, he's going to. It's not a matter of he's not going. And, and it's hard for, I can't believe Don't D'Antonio said that publicly. Like, yeah, you said he's got the confidence. He says the energy that he gets those players comfortable and feeling good because that's what they need. Because if you're going to give them a negative mindset, that just adds more negativity to your game. But he's never had the reps. He hasn't been in the big stage. You said hundreds of people. It's going to be thousands of people that he's going to be in front of. And... You know, it's flipping a coin. You don't know what he's going to do. I mean, he he hasn't been on that big stage, so it's 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 a yes or no. It's up in the air. We we don't know until Boise State Friday night. Yeah, and the best example of this is Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen, when he was on Notre Dame, came into the big house his freshman year, the true freshman, the most highly touted quarterback recruit in the nation, comes into the big house, 
as pro- projected as Notre Dame is to, to win that year, comes in and makes a fool out of himself. And I would hate, I would hate to see the same thing happen to our very own Andrew Maxwell. At home, too. <laughs> well, at the big house, at the big house. Oh, okay. but, but if you, the listener, think otherwise, 517-432-3893, correct me if I'm wrong. Was Mark D'Antonio right to say that he won't think Andrew Maxwell bother him? And of course, he's the one watching the practices. He's the guy that was the defensive coordinator from Ohio State and has had that experience at Cincinnati, at Kansas, at Youngstown State. So, you know, with all that, that D'Antonio has in his and his repertoire, I still am a little, little concerned about his comments here. So if you think otherwise, you can also tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, at 89FM Sports Rap about these D'Antonio comments and also our question of the day. And David. Anyone, anyone so far with the question of the day so far? No, we, we Twitter is nothing. Come on, people. you got to follow <laughs> us to do it or even call in. We need we need listeners to, you know, get in on this conversation. I'm not going to fight Alex my every time for an hour straight every Monday. So get on the line. Get on Twitter at 89FM Sports Rap. Get at us. on. Get on us. Answer the question. It's it's not hard. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Kind of, but. <laughs> no, no, I definitely see. And, and also, I also want to talk about D'Antonio another second here. He also came out to say that, that Marquez Denard is one of the best corners he's seen in, a, seen in a long time. Now, I want to ask you, David. I mean, D'Antonio has been the defensive coordinator for Ohio State. He's been the head coach for Cincinnati. He's been on many talk shows commenting, on even on ESPN, even on ESPN, about certain players in the NFL. So, with all his experience, and to come out and say that Denard you know, and the two sets of corners they have are some of the best he's seen. I mean... What what are your comments about that statement as well? Is that a little over the top? Do you think that that was a proper statement for him to make? I feel it's a better statement than what he said about Andrew Maxwell. I mean, he does have the experience and knows what a corner or a defensive player should look like and how they should play. And to have and to say that, I guess, would be a good thing since he's got that experience and and knows what he's talking about on the defensive end, which MSU has probably one of the top ranked defenses in the NCAA for next year. So with him to say that, it, it gives us a boost to sure. show that we have a player that, that that is that good and that the coach can even say that he's that good about him. So, I mean, we'll see how he performs on the field because that's what it comes down to. But, um, I mean, Danny, D'Antonio's hyping up his players, so hopefully they can perform for us. Hey, and even if he is wrong, I mean, of course, nothing we say here on the air is aimed at, you know, a damaging D'Antonio's reputation. We love you, D'Antonio, if you're listening right here at the at the Sports Wrap. In no way are we saying that what, what you said to the press and, and to the media was wrong. To be honest, it's absolutely right what you said because you should have that confidence in your players. But when it comes to opinions and when it comes to what really is this year, there are very rare exceptions to true freshman quarterback leading a team. And for as much hype and getting back to the Rose Bowl as D'Antonio has said he wanted to do, it's very unlikely, realistically, it's very unlikely for this team to go back to that Rose Bowl with a true freshman. Well, since he's a junior, but yeah. with a first-year quarterback. Correct. So if you think otherwise, 517-432-3893. Of course, what we say on the sports rap isn't necessarily what is true. So please prove us otherwise. And of course, with those spring, you know, with the uh, summer practices that have occurred within the last week, there have been some true freshmen emerging within that pack. Um, D'Antonio has came out to the media and said that he likes Jamal Miles, this guy out of South out of Southfield, 
He's coming in. He's a, he's a defensive end. D'Antonio said he's got a lot of shock. He looks real quick in the pads, so he could get that that early playing time. I mean, of course, with Will Golson at defensive end, it's going to be very yeah. difficult yes, too. But we'll see tough. what happens with Jamal Lyles as well. A lot of promise with him. And he also said that Riley Bullock is a possible true freshman position that he could get those early reps. Of course, with the departure of Greg Jones and, and that linebacking core, he could see some early reps. And, and D'Antonio really likes him, so we'll, we'll see what happens from there. But if there are any other freshmen that you see... 517-432-3893 is the number, or tweet at us, at 89FM Sports Rap, and we will get to that later in the show. But I also, David, want to talk about another article that came out today from ESPN Polls. It's about, you know, about the MSU basketball team. We're touching college basketball now for a second here. And this came from MLive today from Josh Slater. Um, this talked about the Michigan State University men's basketball team getting a number two seed in bracketology, and again, this is very early, and and for those of you listening, bracketology, what that is exactly is is every year before the March Madness, there comes a little quote unquote preseason a preseason prediction. So, what people think, what teams will be seeded in the NCAA tournament, whether it's the number one seed, number one overall, whether it's the eight seed, whether it's the sixteen seed, whether it's a you know a school such as James, you know, a, a small program to make you know a significant run. The bracketology gives you that preseason, that pre-March Madness ranking, and the Michigan State Spartans are pre-ranked as a number two seed and number five overall. So, David, what do you think about this ranking? Is that a fair statement? And for the for and for the listeners, feel free to call in five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Was that really a fair statement to be made from ESPN? I mean, for the bracketology. It could be two, three, maybe even four for the seed. But overall, looking at the the records from last year and the teams that went farther than state in the tournament, and you can tell by records and how they did on ESPN.com under NCAA. But the number five ranking, I think, is is a good spot for the Spartans right now. We're, we'll see how they can hold that because we all know last year they started off at number two to start the season, <laughs> oh, yeah. and that kind of fell off oh, real yeah. quick. But, um, I mean, we lost a couple guys, but MSU basketball has always been strong. We've always had it, and we've always been able to, you know, with Tom Izzo on the bench, you know, directing these guys, we can only hope and pray for another successful state season, which they went 25-7 and last year, which I expect them to do just as good as that or even better. I'll differ with you on that. I know you will. (laughs) You always will. But... (laughs) Yeah, with the guys we've lost, we'll we'll see how the team does. But a number five ranking, I would say, is is going to be easier to handle than a number two last year. Maybe that might have shook them up, you know, okay. getting the big hype in the whole college world of basketball being number two. But I mean, number five, you got the Kentuckys ahead of us and stuff like that. But the number five, I'd say, is a good spot for the Spartans. Oh, absolutely. And I do want to point out that the other Big Ten teams; these are just some of the other rankings that Bracketology has given. Wisconsin, who played very well last year in the tournament. Was, and Bracketology pre-rankings was number three. So Michigan State ahead of Wisconsin. Ohio State, you know, always a, a well-favored team going into the NCAA season, pre-ranked at number four. And then Minnesota at number seven and Purdue basketball, of course, with the departure of Robbie Hummel, now at number 12. So it's very good to see that Michigan State is ahead of the pack when it comes to preseason yeah, rankings. No, Ohio State at seven, like for the real rankings, and Wisconsin all the way at fourteen. I mean, they say that. And- sure, sure. And, and real quickly, David, before we jump to a quick break here at the sports wrap, what are your opinions on this team? You know, they lost Draymond Green, getting drafted to the Warriors. He has been a dynamic leader. So, 
who is going to step up now on this team? That I do not know. <laughs> I um hope for me with a lot of sports it's chemistry and if a team can click that's going to work the best and then you're going to have that single guy leader that's going to carry you in big game end of the game shots or sure. you know carrying the team throughout the yeah. game but I mean chemistry for Spartan basketball this year is going to have to be perfect oh, spot on <laughs> yeah spot on it, i mean some win a tournament exactly and to, and to go farther than they did in previous years and to have the number five ranking i mean that's a lot for those coming up and finally getting playing time behind you know draymond green and all the big names sure. but um personally i don't know anyone that's going to step up i don't know enough players on the team to you know specifically choose one but hopefully okay yeah i mean i mean look at a guy like keith appling though this guy yeah, undershadowed by Kaylin Lucas. I mean, he's an up and coming guy. And then, of course, you got the guy Denzel Valentine coming out of the area. I mean, people have said that he, it may be a new Magic era, <laughs> whether that be after the Magic Johnson or, or regardless, a magical era. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. this guy looks to make a, a big impact at the shooting guard position. And of course, we got the hot Gary Harris coming in. This guy was highly touted coming out of out of high school from the Indiana area, um, getting from the likes of Michigan and other big schools. But, I mean, we'll really see. I mean, I'm definitely going to look for a lot of freshmen to step up. Yes. And I think the biggest indicator of this team this year is the big man position because they lose Draymond Green. They've got a guy like Derek Nix who, and, and, of course, Adrian Payne. Both have had issues in the past off off the court. Yep. So we'll, we'll see from there. But anyways, if you want to call in on this topic, 517-432-3893. We are going to be jumping to a quick break here at the Spartan Sports Wrap. You can also tweet at us. At 89FM Sports Chat with our question of the day, which was when was the last year, which was when was the last season, the Lions had a losing record. So feel free to tweet us or call in. But we are going to jump to a quick break here. You're listening to 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. This is the Spartan Sports Rap. You're listening to Impact Exposure. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sitter Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. Gentlemen, want to hear our specials? Sure. First, we have the seafood special. It's been sitting around here for a week. We're known around these parts for our food poisoning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. It's called A1C, a simple blood test that can help measure your risk of complications such as heart attack. To find out more, go to www.diabetesa1c.org. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to 88.9, the Spartan Sports Wrap here on Impact 89FM. 
Alex Shaw, your host, and David DeFever to my left. We just got done discussing the MSU men's basketball team, what we're going to like to see this year, and what the main issues are with this team. But we're going to move on now to another topic that has nothing really to do with basketball, but more about the Detroit Lions. Ooh. This team having their first preseason game this past weekend, and we saw a lot from the from from this team this upcoming year. Favorited after their playoff bound year last year, so we're going to see what happens this upcoming season. Um, in terms of biggest surprises, what you saw from that game, David, who really stood out to you, and what are your predictions for this upcoming team? Yeah, um, rookie, uh, he's a cornerback on the defensive end of the ball. Has uh, Bill Bentley, he's a third rounder that uh, from Louisiana Lafayette that the Lions picked up this past season. Um, played pretty well. He did have a drop pick six, which Swartz said that was his only like downfall of the game. But he also did have an an interception during the game, which actually led to the Lions' first touchdown. So that's always nice to see, especially at a rookie, you know, like getting, you know, getting the call and, you know, showing up and actually being able to, you know, contribute to the team. I mean, they did score on their first run. I mean, the first touchdown off his interception. So it's always nice to contribute on the defensive end of the ball. And uh, for season, um, I would like to see them make the playoffs. And I really do think they have a really good chance of, making that nine games or winning nine games or even more. Maybe I'll push it to 11 most. Yeah, you see, I'm, I'm going to debate that, though, because as, as well as Bill Bentley did play in that game, I mean, or, or may I say, he did have that pick. He did have that pick. It led to the touchdown. But you have to you have to look at the fact that Travis Benjamin, the Browns wide receiver, blew right past him yes, right at the beginning of the game. Yes, second play of the game, I believe it was. And, and if you watched the replay, literally blew past him. <laughs> and I don't know what Bill Bentley was thinking on the play. Of course, a young guy, he has a lot to learn in this league. But yes. I think that cornerback position is going to be the biggest problem with them making the playoffs this year. And, I mean, besides when we released Chris Houston for his off-field issues you know, weeks ago, there, there really isn't a leader on that defensive side yet. And, and as you right. remember, in years past, back to the Matt Millen era, I hate to bring that up, but <laughs> as bad as they were in years past, they did acquire a guy like Dre Bly in a trade. I mean, you remember Dre Bly yes. coming straight from St. Louis? I mean, he really stepped up and was an anchor for that team. And it doesn't even have to be an approved guy in the league. I mean, Dre Bly at that time wasn't yet getting those big contract numbers. He wasn't. He didn't have that playmaking ability, but when he came to Detroit, a new image, a new leader, he really stepped in. And I would compare that even more locally, you know, even to a Pudge Rodriguez. He, Pudge Rodriguez really started the trend of players wanting to come to Detroit, yeah. wanting to make an impact on that team. And I see the same, the same thing happening this year for the Detroit Lions. I would not be surprised one bit if, if, if there's a move made, you know, right at the beginning at of the, the season. At the cornerback position, yeah. Sure. And, and also, besides the cornerback position, David, I do want to touch for the, the listeners who else I liked in that game. Uh, the running back position, you yes. know, as LaShore has been injured, and of course we really don't have an answer for that right away at running back, as dynamic as the offense is this year. But I look at a guy like you know Kevin Smith and Jokey Bell. These guys stepped into the game, you know, ran over seventy, ran ran seventy one yards, mm-hmm. and, and they really they really showed. And even a guy like Keenan Williams, I mean, ran nine times for seventy one yards, seven point nine yards a carry, and, and then these kind of guys are the guys that are going to really impact the team and are those hard-driven guys that often will get overshadowed a bit by Stafford or Johnson. And, and we really haven't had, like, a a star, you know, running back. But, like, now that Kevin Smith is in, you know, he's finally getting that confidence. And these two guys behind him, 
to put him in if Kevin's not doing well or gets injured or anything like that. It's nice that you have that those two guys, Williams and Bell, to step in and do just as good of the job. And, sure. and, and of course, this is the preseason. Yeah. This was the second and third team of the Cleveland Browns who, frankly, should, should not be allowed to even make the playoffs for at least two or three years until their team you know, legitimately gets better. Uh, but I do want to comment, though. I mean, a little side topic here. I did like what Colt McCoy and Whedon did in that game. I mean, they really destroyed the Lions, and, and especially in the second half. I mean, you know, the Lions going into the locker room with that 14-3 lead, they're, they're blowing the lead, you know, them, them being 0-1 now to start the season, and Cleveland winning the game on a field goal at the end. But, I mean, this Cleveland Brown team really showed the Lions that, I mean, they do have a little bit of firepower. And, and, it, and it comes more even with the coaching staff. I mean, we'll see time and time again, you know, Within each coaching change in the NFL, the coach really does have a significant impact on the team. I mean, even look what Jim Schwartz has done for our team. He's turned it right around. Right around. So if you think otherwise, 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. Or tweet at us at 89FM Sports Wrap if you have our question of the week answer. You know, switching a little bit now, I want to talk to you, David, about the NHL lockout because this is a topic that is affecting not only the NHL, but basically sports as a whole. So if you want to explain to the listeners a bit, you know, more of the details of that lockout and really what, you know, the potential, you know, possibilities will be. Yeah, and Gary Bettman, the the president or the guy who runs the NHL. The commish. The commish, just, he's going for his hat trick of lockouts. And the last time the NHL did have a lockout was eight years ago, which is a very good span of keeping sport intact, having money issues and all that stuff going, but um, I mean, the players aren't happy, but we'll see how that happens. All right, and, and before you go on with that lockout, I do want to take a caller real quick. Um, maybe he has something to say about this Lion team. Uh, you are on the 89FM Sports Wrap. Who is this calling? Hey, this is Tony. How's it going? Tony, how you doing? How, how, what's up with you? Do you have, a, you have a, a player in mind about this Lion team, or what did you want to comment on exactly? I just, uh, I was just listening and uh i was i'm not a lions fan so i can come at it objectively sure great but uh, just with all the all the stuff that's going on this off season mm-hmm. and the fact that there's really only domicong sue on the defense that's a true impact player i i don't think the lions are going to be able to get to eight wins yeah. i think last year they overachieved and uh this year they're going to be scratching to get to eight wins okay very fair argument uh, two things tony first off if you're not a lion fan what, what fan are you Patriots. All oh, day. Patriots. Well, why the Pats? Are you are you from the area over there? <laughs> no, I just the first game I ever saw was the uh, Super Bowl that the Patriots lost, and the I had compassion. They've been my team ever since. Oh, very good. And second, what do you think led to that Detroit Lions team overachieving? Did you think it was merely basically the hype of Stafford and Johnson together, or was it more of of the yeah, scheduling? That, that, I think the Stafford CJ connection is about. Um, uh, Obviously, someone's going to step up every year. Someone really steps up. The team's going to have a good season. So it could either be LaShore or Titus Young or somebody, but someone's going to have to step up on the offense because Great. it was really just Stafford and CJ that carried them last year, I yeah, thought. I'd make the argument more that it could have been that defensive line. You know, as Sue was as significant yeah, as an impact, he, he did have that. You know that that anchoring that that intensity that Jim Schwartz has preached off season, but yeah. you know, uh, uh, Tony, while I have you on the phone here, do you have any? Do you? Our question of the week this week was: When was the last time the Detroit Lions, you know, had a losing record in any season during the preseason? That is. So, can you think of the last time? If you don't know exactly, I, I don't blame you. It's it's a very I don't random know. topic. I know they've been they've been undefeated in the preseason like 
four of the last five years or something like that. Right. Four and zero in the preseason, but I got yeah, I don't know. So if you had to take a guess, and in future weeks, Tony, if you keep tuning in, we will have the opportunity for you to win future prizes if you get the question of the week right. So yeah. if you had to take a guess right now, any year, when was the last year you would say? I'm gonna go with 2003. Okay, so actually you are not correct, but you are very, very close is what I'll say. Um, All right. And, and there also was a side topic with that question about three players who are currently on the Lions roster. But, hey, Tony, I really appreciate you calling in. I hope you listen in future weeks. And, hey, right. go Lions, but go Pats. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Tony. Have a good one. You too. All right, so that was Tony with his comments about the Detroit Lions. But, David, touching back to the lockout now, um, tell us a little bit more about the lockout, what you've seen, and, and really – um, how it's going to affect you know hockey town as a whole? Yeah, it's it's going to make a huge blow on them, especially because you know everyone looks forward to the Winter Classic. These past couple years, you know it's it's been growing in numbers and people are tuning into it. They like that whole outdoor hockey, big arena, big hype. You know, day after uh, day after the New Year, but um, and it's at the Big House this year. It's going to have the most people in a winter classic or in the big stage than any in history. Mm -hmm. So if that doesn't happen, it's, it's going to be huge for not just Detroit fans and hockey fans. It's going to be, it's going to affect a lot of people. And Gary Bettman, the commissioner just hasn't been able to come to a deal with the NHLPA, which he has until September 15th to do that, but it's not looking like he's going to get it done. But I was talking with a uh, one of my friends, Stefan Kubis. He he's a writer for Michigan Hockey, mm-hmm. and um, he said that if we do have a lockout, he's hoping that the season starts. We discussed mid mid December. Mm-hmm. Then they'll start off with like a two week training camp, you know, in there, sure. and start the season with the Winter Classic instead right. of it being kind of in the mid you know first third of the season. It's going to be able to start the season, and whether how they determine uh, cutting down games or how they're going to do that, um, that's thrown up in the air still but um hopefully i'm praying i have my fingers crossed because you know me with hockey sure. and of course the date for them to decide about the lockout whether they're going to going to continue hockey is the date of the winter classic so of course that may be a little coincidental the date of the winter classic is the day they must decide about the lockout but imagine that game imagine that day and game of the winter classic and let's say that they do not decide until that game day and they say no what kind of impact will that have on hockey? It's the oh, it's everyone in is going to be screaming at Gary Bettman. I mean, not many people like the guy already, and now that this is his hat, this is this will be his his third time as commissioner. Sure, sure. But league. before you continue, is it Gary Bettman's fault exactly? I well, mean, what's the underlying issue of this lockout? He, him and the NHLPA can't come to agreements with the money distributed in the 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 money being distributed to the owners of the team. That's, so, that's so silly because if they can't decide how money is going to be distributed to the teams, they're not going to have enough money income-wise yeah. for the NHL organization. And But it's funny to say because the revenue from before last year's season was $2.2 billion, and then after this past season it was 3.3. So they actually increased overall revenue. That's why I'm so lost on why things can't get settled and why can't you know, the the dotted line be signed if that's okay. what it comes okay. to. Okay, but here's what I'm going to say, David. NHL players are some of the most underpaid athletes in sports. Yeah. And that's that's my opinion. Feel free to differ otherwise. Call in 517-432-3893. But NHL players are the most underpaid athletes. Yeah. So with them raising the revenue, I think that will have, you know, a direct correlation 
with with, with with how the players you know are brought up and and I say that just because you look at these guys who have won Stanley Cups, you look at these guys who with you know the little salary cap that exists in the NHL, you know, and how hard it is for them to keep their cap and, and to keep their their yeah. balance, you know, under a certain amount. So, I mean, besides the fact that it, it directly correlates to players, I understand. I totally understand why they want to raise that revenue. But what is the biggest concern with them getting this deal done? It, it, is it merely the player organization? Is it is it the labor disputes of the NHL? I mean, who is who? I mean, no one knows. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. You. <laughs> but who is the guy that has the golden ticket at his fingers? Who's the guy that's going to dictate whether the whether the Detroit Red Wings are playing in the Winter Classic or not? It's Gary Bettman. He's the commissioner. He runs it all. And it's, and, it, and even though he's the commissioner, though, I mean, who's the guy that's strong willed? Who's the guy that's arguing against Gary Bettman? It's the the NHL PA. It's like sure. it's okay. it's the the debate is between them two, and settling money with the owners of each team in the NHL, and whether that gets decided is, oh, it's so nail biting. And, and can you remember any other big NHL story as much as this one has been? No, because the, we've been the NHL has been in session for the last eight years, so not many people think of the last lockout. But now that this is getting brought up, now they're talking about what happened in the lockout eight years ago and sure. this and that. But I mean, it's sad to see that this is what it's coming to. And that brings me to a question: What is the biggest sports moment in, in NHL history? Is it this lockout? Was it Wayne Gretzky? You know, going to a new team. What is the biggest NHL moment in the history of the league? 517-432-3893. Uh, David, with the lockout as, as, big it is, it, as big as it has been, and impact-wise too, Impact 89 FM-wise, but no, <laughs> as big as it has been, I mean, what's the move for this Detroit Red Wing team? I mean, we've seen it come time and time again. Uh, you know, them trying to go after Suter and Parise, trying to go after Rick Nash, nothing really getting done at the table. Yeah. There's been talks of Jay Bomeister, now he's too expensive. Have you really delved into other options for this team? No, and, and there really hasn't been any rumors or anything popping up in the air. I mean, Shane Doan is still left unsigned, but, I mean, he's a big question mark because nobody knows what he wants to do. No, it's And we're just going to wait on offers, and, and then he's going to be looking at the city and mostly looking for like good schooling for his kids. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's still a huge question mark along with Bobby Ryan, who's a young, very well-rounded offensive player that played for the Ducks last year. But he has to be dealt in a trade. And what you said about Bollmeister, the Wings were looking to get him, but... His his salary he has to be traded too, and if the Wings acquire him in a trade, we have to pay him the last two years of what his contract is, and that's around six point five million. Which overall, within the last three or four seasons, his stats have substantially been decreasing. And sure. I mean, to that sure. that's a hit or miss for the Wings if you want to pick him up. I mean, he overall he's a big body. He's he's good at the point. He's he's solid at home, which is a defenseman that we need. But is it is the money there for the wings, and who are we? Who are we going to trade away? That that's who I don't know. And, and even if if who we are going to trade away is the question, who, how are we going to finish this year? With, with as much as the Lidstrom loss does affect the team, yeah, is this a first? Is this a you know a first in the conference kind uh, of kind of team? Um, first in the conference? No, I don't think so. Not at all. I see. I still see them. 
uh, as how they finished last year, maybe in that four or five seed. Because I'm still I'm still questioning the the back end and the D area. But I mean, the Wings always always have played really good hockey, and they seem to. I mean, last year they had a lot of injuries. They had 11 or 13 guys out starters that were out at one time, which is never good for a team. So they took a downfall. But then Jimmy Howard was out, and then we put in Joey McDowell, and he goes on a six and zero run. Yeah. But I mean, for the Wings, I always have confidence with them. I'm never going to down them. Yeah. I mean, I know they need to fill in some holes in their lineup and need to do some rearranging, but I, I do see them making the playoffs, maybe not at the top of the conference, but where they ended up last year in that 4-5 spot. Okay, fair enough. And if you think otherwise, the listener, 517-432-3893, or tweet at us, at 89FM Sportswrap. Again, at 89FM Sportswrap, if you have the question of the week prediction, you know, when was the last time the Lions had a losing preseason? We'll get to that. And if it's not answered this week, it will be in future weeks. And with those future weeks, there will be future prizes come school time. So we will see from then. But, you know, if, if there's no answer to this Red Wing team, and, and, and as much as it is up in the air, I mean, who is, are there any rising stars within this team? Is it, is it a guy like Abdelkader who's going to have a bigger impact than, than last year or who's going to be the, you know the, the new star of this Red Wing team um i mean that third line is something to look out for cuz i don't think Abdelkader then they're not going to be rising stars yet they're obviously under the wing of Franzen, Zetterberg, Datsu, Bertuzzi you know they they still got a lot to learn from them but i mean Philpola last year he had 15 16 almost 20 more points than the previous season and he and he's like a he's a little baby Datsuk in my eyes i mean he he's not that physical but he's he's got the hands and he and he's learning the right techniques that he needs in the offensive zone he's obviously not that physical or not as big as Datsuk but i mean under his wing he's doing well um that third line though it, it Picking up Jordan Tutu, whether he's going to be on the third or fourth line, just just adds more aggression and more physicality. With I mean, we got the speed of Darren Helm, who a guy's five eight, five nine. He's got wheels, but he'll go after a guy who's six three. He'll go after try. He'll try to at least. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's not afraid to. to. We don't know if he's going to, you know, push the weight of other players, but at least he's you know he's digging in those corners and he's trying to make things happen for this team. But um, yeah, I would look. I we're a lot more depth in the front end. We're not going to have to rely on Dad. Duke and Zetterberg as much, even though they should be producing at a high level. Sure, and, and speaking of making an impact for a team, you know, great. You know, there's, there's some really good predictions you said, David. But speaking about making an impact on a team, let's talk about the Detroit Tigers. We are almost at September baseball. This is the home stretch. This is the time where our lineup is finally solidified, and we're finally getting those players. We're finally getting those players stepping up and making an impact. So, David. What is the ultimate lineup for this team? We've had issues. We've had issues with the outfield. We've had, I mean, I don't think any manager would, would want to have a problem as much as the Tigers have right now. I mean, any manager would love to have five guys that can play in the outfield every day. Yeah. So what is the ultimate lineup for this team in your prediction? I mean, with, with as much as we do have Jackson, Delman Young, Andy Dirks, Quentin Berry, Brennan Bosch, those are five quality guys in the outfield that could play pretty much on any team. So before we go to the phones here for a sec, who in your mind is going to really be in that final three playing every single game every day? The ultimate lineup. Besides for the Cabrera and Fielder? Or, well, I'm yeah. talking straight outfield. I mean, you can. Straight could be- outfield? I, I like Quentin Barron being out in the outfield as well as Andy Dirks and Jackson. Those are my three guys. From what I've seen and what people have said, whether their bats are hot or not, I like those three in the outfield. All right, very good. Let's go to the phones here. You are on 89FM Sports Trap. Who are you and where are you calling from? 
Hello. I'm, I'm Doug. Am I there? Yeah, Doug. What's going on? Yeah, hey, man. I think I got the, the Lions question. Okay, what's going on, Doug? I, I think it was 2006. 2006. Doug, you are absolutely correct. Congratulations. And more so with the with the question, and, and Doug, in future weeks, we will be giving out some prizes uh, that you can potentially win, but... Can you name three players from that 2006 team that are currently still on the Lions? I mean, this is a, this is an extra credit. That's easy. You got Dominic Rayola. Right. Jeff Backus. Yep. Jason Hansen. Very good. Hey, congratulations. Congratulations, Ooh. Doug. Hey, but Doug, we're talking a little bit about the Tigers right now. They've got a flurry of different outfielders that they can choose from day in, day out. But who are the final three that you're going to set in that lineup when it comes down to playoff baseball? Who Who are you going to look to to really come up big? I would say Austin Jackson. Okay, fair enough. I mean, but what about the other two slots? You've got Delman Young. You've got Andy Dirks. You've got Quentin Barry. You've got Brennan Bosch. The four of these guys, besides the center field position, are quite frankly playing pretty well right now. So when it comes to getting that lineup solidified with all the depth they have, who in your mind is really the right option at those positions? I'll tell you, um, I really like Brennan Bosch. Mm-hmm. He's solid. Um, that's, uh, I like him. Um, what do you like about it? You know, he's got the pop in his bat. We know that, but but why over any other guy is, is Bosch going to be the right selection? I think he's just clutch. You know, mm-hmm. he makes plays when he needs to. I mean, when they need him, he usually gets a hit. And I mean, same thing in the outfield. He, he's clutch. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, Doug, I appreciate you calling in, man. I hope you keep listening to the show. And in future weeks, you will potentially win a prize if you answer the question of the week. Cool. Sounds good. All right, Doug. Thanks a lot, man. Goodbye. All right. So. So, David, I ask you now, who are the solidified outfielders we're going to go with? I'm going with Jackson. I like Quentin Berry. And then for that third spot is is the Dirks Delman Young because Delman Young has got a bat. he's got a bat. There's not, no doubt. not just the bat, but he's got an attitude. Yes, he does. <laughs> and when you got an attitude in the outfield and that bat, it's scary to go against. Uh, I could I could differ and yeah, I can agree. But, but um, I mean. I would take Delman Young over Dirks just because mm-hmm. I mean I've. His bat mostly at the plate. He's been he's been consistent. He's been doing well. Sure. So him and Jackson, I've never really had a problem with Jackson. I like him in the outfield, but Quentin Barry has really opened my eyes this season. Yeah. I mean, giving him a chance, and he's I mean he's doing well. So absolutely, and and with that, you know, as much as these guys have stepped up and play well, how about a guy like Omar Infante? We yes. got him and Sanchez, Annabelle Sanchez. We you know a, a couple of weeks ago in that trade, Infante. Finally coming around. I mean, this is very great to see because you know we we have seen him struggle quite significantly lately. And Fonte now, you know, after that five player deal on on July twenty third, I mean, he's hitting three forty seven for a second baseman. That's unheard of. Yep. I mean, his first two games to start, he was two for seventeen or whatnot. Now he's hitting eighteen for for forty eight. And, and correct me, he's batting three seventy five, three seventy five, eighteen for forty eight, two for seventeen in his first five games. But honorable Sanchez. You know he's starting tonight against the Twins. They're, you know they're 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 coming off that that big those big back to back losses. They lost the Texas series. They lost the Yankees series. Yes. But they did take a game in each. Yeah. But my question: Where is this team to end the year? What is the prediction for this team, and what's going to happen? I think it's going to come down to the last five games. Right now they're two back of the White Sox, and in the, those are the only one. The White Sox is the only team I think they have to worry about. The Twins are 10 games back, and they're going to play them now, which is this is a huge series to take because if twin if the Twins take this series, even if they sweep us or even take two, they cut the lead on us even closer, and then we have to worry about them being in the rear view. But we, I'm just hoping these Tigers can you know push past the Twins and then 
fight to take over number one with Chicago, which, in my opinion, it's going to come down to the last few games, five games, handful of games. No, yeah, and I think with that last handful of games, I mean, we've seen back in 08 and 07, this Minnesota, this Minnesota twin team creeping up you know, at the end of the season and edging up the Tigers. I really hope that does not happen again. No, we do not want that to happen at all. <laughs> and that's why this this series is important, whether it, you just said it's the home stretch. So the, the teams that we're playing now, we need to clean up. We need to get. Right. We need to win the series. We can't be, we did lose yeah. the Yankees. We did lose the Texas series. But now now it's time to, you know, get rolling, get the ball rolling yeah, again. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, as inconsistent as this team has been, they did lose the, the Texas series. They lost the Yankees, the Yankees series. Well, these two teams are in first place in their respective divisions. Yes. These are solid baseball teams, and and they did lose the Texas in the, in New York. These are three to four, eight to ten. These were close games. games yes. So as much as yeah, they have been losing a little bit lately. They beat Cleveland. They beat Boston. They they, they swept Cleveland. I mean, yes. this is a a club that always gives us trouble. So I do give them credit. You know, as yeah. bad as Anibal Sanchez has been struggling lately, and Infante has been playing great, but. Yes. But let's hope that they keep as consistent as they do against these teams. And hopefully, as long as they win two out of one. Yeah. I mean, as as long as they, t- they win two out of three, excuse me, and they lose one game in the series, quite frankly, I'm happy with that. Yeah, me too. And, it, and it's good to see that they're they're keeping these games with the tech, with the Rangers and the Yankees close because it just shows like how competitive it's going to be. And come September playoff times, if we have to match up against with them, we know that it's not going to be a blowout. We know that we have a sure. chance and we're, we're going to be fighting for runs and bats, strikeouts, everything. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And, and, to, and to add to that, I also want to mention that the Yankees did acquire Derek Eric Lowe uh, in the bullpen today, so that's okay. going to add some extra strength with Ichiro, you know, that acquisition for yeah. New York. So, you know, as much as the Detroit Tigers were slated to be the World Series favorite, the Yankees are looking pretty good. Yes, and you know that they always got money and they'll always spend it. <laughs> and they're, sure. I mean, with Ichiro, you know, coming out of Seattle, and now you got Lowe, it only makes the Yankees stronger. You, you never see them week, I guess you could say, but... Absolutely. Now, we are within the last three minutes of the show. If you want to call in real quickly within the last minute or so, 517-432-3893. We could talk about the Tigers for a second, but for the most part, we're going to now get to our traditional segment, the Goons of the Week, Goons. and we have a back-to-back champion, Chad, uh, excuse me, Chad Johnson, this week. I mean, before it was Ocho Cinco, but now it's Johnson officially. He was cut by the Miami Dolphins this past week. Uh, he was his future in the NFL is now in question. Uh, he was he was released from jail on a twenty five hundred dollar bond earlier Sunday um, after his wife accused him of quote unquote headbutting her during an argument in front of their home. And it's obviously you know the charge of simple domestic battery, which is a misdemeanor that he got charged with. And the the major point I want to I want to touch on, David, and within your comments within the next minute or so here, Chad Johnson had a reality show set called Evan Ocho, you know, with his wife, his newlywed. That was officially pulled as of two hours ago, officially pulled by VH1. So no more no more Evan Ocho, no more Miami Dolphins, and maybe no more NFL. So yeah. tell me about this goon. I mean, this to me, <laughs> this is probably the, the best goon I think we've ever had. Yeah, it, and to have it back to back at that, you know. He, and, he, you know, he... And I was watching an interview on him actually when after a practice with my oh. with Miami, and he was really excited about this season. He like it seemed like he was more focused like on you know hitting routes, getting things right. That that chemistry between you know him and the quarterback and you know other wide receivers. He's he's starting to get that competitive edge and and lose the cockiness. But I mean, switches his last name and now he's off <laughs> off field trouble again. Sure. 
and, and, and even the sh- yeah, and even the show they they cited the seriousness of the allegations. Like it's so serious, you know. Yeah, a domestic violence is never a good thing. <laughs> and then like I mean, he is so excited for this team. Then he goes out and does this, gets dropped by the Dolphins, and who knows if an NFL team is going to pick him up or even want him. I mean, he's a he's a huge question mark right now. And I ask you, do you think a ch- do, you, do you think a team is going to take a chance on a guy like this, or do you think it's out of the question? I'm I'm saying no. I mean, what if the Lions went after him, him and, and Calvin? Well, uh, how great would that be? The Johnson brothers, <laughs> CJ to CJ, and that remains to be seen. But, anyways, congratulations to Dog if you are still listening for getting that question of the week right. Another week within the Spartan Sports Trap. I was out of town actually last week in Phoenix, and and David, of course, was was, was traveling a bit as well. But we are back, and we will absolutely be back for another week here on eighty eight point nine WDBM East Lansing. This is Impact eighty nine FM, the Spartan Sports Trap here. I am Alex Shark. And I'm David DeFever. And we will see you next week. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.